Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. It says here in Matthew chapter 4, look at verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon and Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Uh, This morning, I just want to talk about a few things and uh, we'll see where we go with this. But, uh, you know, I was thinking earlier uh, and getting ready for this actually last week uh, during the night service. Who was here uh, Sunday night? His brother Steve was ministering. It was really good. And uh, as he was ministering, this phrase kind of came up in my heart uh, during the service, fan or followers. And, uh, you know, the scripture says that Jesus, you know, said obviously to the two brothers here, Peter and Andrew, uh, to follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. You know, there is a difference between fan and followers. Now, as you all know, I'm a, I'm a big uh, college football fan. In fact, I've already been harassed a little bit today about wearing an orange tie. But for the record, let me say this is not gator orange. This is God's orange. This is, this is just, it's definitely not, you can leave right now, sir. It is not Clemson. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm just happy we didn't look silly yesterday, actually, to be quite honest with you. But um, I've already been harassed about the tie. You know, I've actually bought orange shirts before, and I've worn them with blue jeans, and I had to get rid of the shirt because people harassed me about it. And that, oh, they say, oh, isn't that just sad? Anyway, you all play a violin for me, right? So, but, you know, we have fans, and we live in a, in a, in a, in a community where we understand what it means to be fans. We have Gator fans here. We have Seminole fans, the God's people. We have Buckeye fans. Oh, Jesus. We even have some Hurricane fans. Let's pray, church. And then we have somebody who's even talking that Clemson nonsense. So we, 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 we understand what fandom is. You know, and so uh, I'm, I was obviously, you know, I love football season. I joked a while back that, you know, it's my favorite time of year. We're heading into it. And not speaking of Christmas, speaking about college football. I love college football. And uh, I know how many, how many of you agree with me. And so we understand what it means to be a fan. A lot of people here are very, uh, uh, very engaged about things that they enjoy. But, you know, there is a difference between being a fan and being a follower of something. You know, fans are someone that they, they get behind something and they like it and they rejoice over it. And uh, uh, they support it, but they support it to the degree that they agree with it. Now, being an FSU fan, I don't always agree with everything Florida State does. I don't agree with all the calls that are made. I don't agree with this, with that. But I'm a fan of them. And as a fan, I... I follow them to a degree, but I always reserve the right to hold back my love and affection and even my praise of them. It's funny, last night, you know, I, I watched the game. At one minute, I was praising the team, and the next minute, I was chastising the team. You might know what I'm talking about. You know, one minute, I'm woohoo, and the next minute, I'm wiping tears away, you know. And so, uh, fans have the, they reserve the right to support what they agree with and rejoice when it goes their way, but also reserve the right to to. Dis- Disagree and to not rejoice when things go another way. And um, how many remember the days? And I remember it well. The days when uh, Brother Muschamp was in in town in Gainesville town. There were a lot of Gator fans that weren't real happy with what Brother Muschamp was doing in in, in Gainesville. I, I even remember there's uh, uh, Granny Green uh, back in the Spurrier days, right? Used to call Brother Spurrier up uh, on, on Monday and complain about the calls he made on Saturday. Isn't that true? That's true, yes. She had Brother Spurrier's office number. Can you imagine calling it Granny Green, giving him an earful? But anyway, uh, you know, fans reserve that. That's what's cracked me up. How did she even get that number? And why did he take her call? I mean, uh, Coach Spurrier, that lady's on the phone, and she's going to tell you how to coach again, and he'd take the call. But I've always laughed about that. But, you know, fans, we reserve that right. We reserve the right, and based on what we like, what we dislike, you know, really determines where we are, where football is concerned. I used to be a big Dallas Cowboys fan, and then they kind of uh, fell off and made some decisions, decisions I didn't agree with. I turned Steve into a Cowboys fan when he was younger, and then as I matured, I've, I strayed from that, you know. Uh, but now they're good again. I might be a fan again because, you know, I'm actually liking what they do. So, you know, we, we vary on things and, and move back and forth where fandom is concerned. But, you know, uh, like God is not interested in us being fans. Are you out there this morning? 
you know, God wants us to be fans. He wants us to agree with him and, and to, to enjoy those things. But he's more interested, he's not as interested in our likes as he is in our obedience. We live in a culture where everything's about likes. You know, I like this, I like that. People get on Instagram or Facebook and how many likes you can get. And somehow it kind of validates what we're doing or what we're saying or what we're promoting based on the number of likes we've got. And, you know, God, God appreciates it when we like something, but he appreciates it even more when we decide to submit our will to his and to do what he said. It said in this verse of, of um, Peter and Andrew, it said that... Um, when he saw the two brothers casting their nets, and they were fishermen. Now, this was their livelihood. This was the pursuit of their life. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. A person who is a follower and not a fan is someone that where, where the one goes, they go. Where What the one says, they say. What the one th- does, they do. What the one thinks, they think. Go with me over to a, or John chapter 10. John, the 10th chapter, in verse, uh, we'll look at verse 27. John chapter 10. You're doing a good job, Pastor Greg. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. John chapter 27, or John chapter 10, verse 27. This was Jesus speaking here, and the title of this little section in, in, in my Bible has the notation, The Shepherd Knows His Sheep. And, uh, and it's true, you know, God knows us. God knows, God knows every detail about us. Like I said earlier, you know, God has made the decision to love us and made the decision to love every single person knowing every single detail. He knows everything inside and out even better than you do. He even knows the intents and purposes of the heart, which oftentimes we don't even truly understand or don't want to admit what those things are. He knows all of those details, but he still loves us. And so we know that he knows his sheep, more specific, even those who have decided to follow him. But verse 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice. And this is something that we have talked about. I've talked about uh, uh, different ones have ministered on over the years, uh, the last several years, the fact that you can have confidence to hear the voice of God. Uh, isn't it good news to know that you can hear from God for yourself? You know, thank God, and I'm in the ministry, and, and I know my role and place, but I do know that my role and place is not to hear the voice of God for you. You have that right to hear the voice of God for yourself, amen, and that opportunity. Now, that can come through many different ways, but you can hear the voice of God. And so it says here that my sheep hear my voice. If you've ever wondered, can you hear the voice of God to know his will? You have Jesus' own words on it. If you're one of his sheep, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you hear his voice, amen. It says, and I know them, and notice, and they follow me. He said of his sheep, my sheep hear my voice and I know them, but then it goes beyond that, and my sheep follow me. And so the Lord is looking, God is looking for those who will not just uh, uh, be fans, but will actually follow uh, the things that he says to do. Go over to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew the 28th verse, praise God. When you're there, say I'm there, Pastor Greg. Some of y'all are quick, all right, Matthew the 28th verse. In verse 18, scripture that we know and love, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. Who's the them he's talking about? Those who are disciples. Teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Now, it doesn't specifically use the word follow, but how many know observing something, especially observing all things, is a part of following? And so we've been given this mandate as believers to go out and make disciples, not just believers, not just converts. You know, we, we need to broaden our, our horizon or perspective on what we're called to do, but not only called to do, what we're anointed to do. And anytime God calls you to do something, you realize you are Yes, you're called, but you are, you are also gifted by God to accomplish that. Now, he was speaking to believers in general, followers of Christ. He said, listen, he said, go out and make disciples. And so 
That means you as an individual, you are anointed by God to go out, yes, and win people to Christ, number one, but secondly, also uh, make a disciple of them. And a disciple is different than just someone who is a believer. A disciple is a follower of Christ, someone that you teach them to observe all things that he has said. Now I'll say this, I don't know everything that he said, and I'm not perfect in every area. I just want to clear this up in case you're wondering. I'm not saying that, and, and, and I also know that nobody here is in that boat. But how many know that we should all be pushing forward to the point to we, where we are obeying him and observing our life in a manner to follow what he instructs us to do, amen? And so it's a part of what we do. God is serious about followers. He is serious about uh, those who are fully committed, whose hearts are loyal, the Bible says, whose hearts are loyal to him. He's serious about that. He's passionate about that because really the truth is those who follow something are the ones that achieve the goals of someone more so than someone who's just a fan. Someone who's a fan, you know, like I said, the, uh, and Peter and Andrew here, yeah, we'll follow when it's convenient. Listen, if you're going to follow when it's convenient, that's not really following. That's following when it's convenient. <laughs> There's a difference. And so to really accomplish the will of God and to really accomplish what God wants to do in this earth, uh, we said, you know, that um, uh, uh, the will of heaven being done on earth, for that to happen, it requires of us to move from a place of fandom to being followers, amen? And so it's something that uh, uh, is, is of the utmost importance in our lives. You know, uh, the Bible says, uh, speaking of Paul, when Paul was speaking, he said, listen, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. He basically was saying, listen, my life I render, I consider to be something that doesn't even exist. My life is gone. My life is now his life. I think one translation says it's simply Christ using my body. I don't know where that is, which translation that is, but what an awesome thought. How did Paul do what Paul was called to do? How did Paul fulfill uh, the call upon his life, even with his human frailty? Think about Paul. I mean, we think about Paul as this great, uh, great apostle, and he, yes, he was great. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, a wonderful guy. But Paul had a lot of issues, a lot of stuff in his life, and a lot of reason to look back and think, you know, this or that, or to question, can I do what God called me to do? The thing that got him to where, uh, uh, took him to the place where he could say, listen, I fought a good fight. I've run my race. I fought a good fight. There's a treasure laid up for me. He said, he was, listen, I am, I am, I am pressed between the two, a desire to stay with you and a desire to go. Why? Because he knew there was something waiting for him. You know, he was at that place where he knew there was a reward waiting for him. A reward is not there just for uh, showing up. A reward is there for finishing, right? A reward is there for winning your race and doing what you've been assigned to do. And he said, listen, I'm looking forward to this reward. So much that he was in a place of having a tough time whether or not to decide to stay or go. That's pretty awesome. He was, he was wanting to go because he knew there was so much waiting for him. Well, how did that happen? How did he get to that point? How did he go from a murderer of Christians and a murderer of the young and the old? How did he go from that to a place of being confident, ready to stand before God? It's because he said, listen, I don't consider my life. It's not my own. I, I, I've been bought with a price. He said, it's not my own. It's no longer Christ who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Can I tell you, that should be and must be the heart's cry of every single person. If you're really going to do what God called you to do, you've got to develop that heart. Have you got this completely, Pastor Greg? No, I don't, but I'm working on it. And I tell you what, every moment that I get to know him, every day that I see him more clearly through his word or time in fellowship with the Father, I see areas where I can lay down this area, lay down that area. In every one of those, it's a decision that I have to make. It's not something that the Lord makes me do. He, 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 he's very clear in his will on these things, and he's compassionate and graceful. Aren't you glad he doesn't expect everything from us all at the same time? He takes us from where we are, and he will mold us and shape us if we'll follow him. But we have to be open to what he wants to do. We were singing that song, uh, uh, heaven come down, you know, break these walls down. You realize he only goes where he's invited. He's only able to move in your life where permission is given. Well, why doesn't God just do this? Why doesn't God do that? Because he loves you enough to respect your will in these areas. And so if you want to hold something back, listen, he's not mad at you. He's not upset with you, but it's not his best for you, meaning there's better for you. 
It's not just about doing everything for him. It's even being able to prove that in your own life and experience the blessing, the full reward of what it means to be in union with Christ. Amen. And so, you know, considering ourselves dead to sin, alive unto him, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We've been bought with a price. These are things that should be foundational aspects of our life. Are you out there this morning? It should be a foundational aspect of our life. And it should be something that we go to often and, and eva- like I said, evaluate areas and evaluate things. Is this area dead? Am I dead to myself in this or am I alive unto you in this area? Am I alive unto myself or alive unto you? Now I'll say this, you know, God, God, it's not like God wants you to, to do everything in your life has got to be his way. So much of our life is up to us. Right? I mean, so much of our lives are up to us. I mean, in fact, he, he says that if we will delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our hearts. I mean, you talk about real liberty. I mean, if we delight ourselves in his, in his will and to pursuing his things, he'll give us the desires of our hearts. I mean, even in this area, God is so good. Even in this area, he's desiring to do so much for us. It's not that he wants us to be robots. He wants us, he wants us to, yes, pursue his will. But when we pursue his will, he pursues ours. Think about that. We're, we're, we are in partnership with him. We're co-laborers together with Christ. That means that when we are working with him, he's working with us. When we're involved in what's interesting to him and important to him, he's involved in what's interesting and important to us. God, the creator of the heavens and earth, is personally involved in our lives. Getting behind us, working with us, flowing with us, helping us, enabling us, strengthening us, all of those things. I tell you, there's nothing better than dreaming with God. There's nothing more rewarding than dreaming with God. There's nothing more exciting than dreaming with God. Letting his dreams and your dreams begin to merge and to uh, match and meld together. There's nothing like it. There's nothing more exhilarating. And even talking about it, if you know him, if 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 you've ever had him get involved in a dream in your life, there becomes just an excitement that begins to rise up on the inside that, that we can be partners with him. Amen. But it's important that we yield ourselves to him. Amen. Go with me over to Romans chapter 12. I just want to look at a few things this morning. It's whew, 1130. Praise God. Romans chapter 12. And, I, and this is a scripture. And actually, I went back and, and uh, this week and read all of the 11th chapter. And we really don't have time to read all of it. It's, it's so good. I'd encourage you to go back and read all of Romans chapter 11. If you have a New Living Translation, it's especially well-worded in there in a way that makes really good sense. Uh, but in Romans chapter 12, a scripture that we know, and this is a subject, to be honest with you, you've heard me talk on before, and, and uh, I'm not ashamed of that, and I'm not just rehashing a message. It was what was on my heart this morning. Uh, this is something that Brother Hagin had said was probably the greatest need in the church, this area right here. In Romans chapter 12, this is that of the New King James, it says, and do not be conformed to this world. Notice, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect perfect will of God. The New Living Bible of that says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Person, How? By changing the way you think. Do you think our thought process has everything to do with who we are? If a person is to accept Christ, they have to actually, in their mind, first of all, accept that he is who he says he is. Before they can believe it, they have to, they have to first accept that that's true. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You, your life is a product of your thoughts. Your life is a product of your thoughts. Your life will always be a product of what you think. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn. It's a process. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Message Bible says, do not be so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. What a, what a powerful statement. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. We should live and be endeavoring to live from the inside out, amen? It says readily recognize. That means readily is quickly recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. 
Uh, Kenneth Hagin has said this. He said, your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. And it's true. I mean, I, how many parents in here you have to get on your kids when they're little to brush their hair? Some of you need to get on yourself about brushing your hair, right? I just had this conversation with Nate yesterday. Boy, did you brush your hair today? You, you, how many parents know that look? You know, it, I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, but my face just said everything. <laughs> Where's the door? Can I make it there before you can catch me? You know, um, He said, no, because we're not going anywhere. I said, what have I told you to do? Every day you get up, brush your hair. Why? Because it looks crazy when you get up every day. So brush your hair, son. Right? It doesn't matter how good Drew's hair. I've always, I always marvel at Drew's hair when he's out there playing the organ. Everybody look at Drew's hair. Drew, why don't you stand up? Stand up. Everybody say, stand up, Drew. Come on, Drew. Stand up, Drew. You got to submit. We're in church, brother. Woo! I just want to say that is one gorgeous man right there. It's a beautiful hair. Kelsey agrees with me, right? But Drew's hair is always perfect, right? Well, when we're here, it always looks perfect. <laughs> yeah, it takes after Doug. Okay. See <laughs> uh, if a storm cloud was developing overhead. But Drew's hair always looks good. Whenever I see him, Drew's hair, he's got the beard. I, I wish I was half the man Drew was. I could grow a beard like that. His beard looks great. Now, you guys have been married, what, three weeks, four weeks? That's been a month. Huh? How much? It's been two months? Oh, my Lord. A time is going by. What would you say? Let it go. All right. <laughs> yeah. She understands months because she has many more than I do. But anyway. <laughs> so, you've been married for two months, right? <laughs> Just kidding, sister. I love you. <laughs> she knows where I live. She can come hurt me. You've been married for a couple months. Now, Kelsey knows how Drew's hair looks in the morning. Does it look that perfect every morning? No, it doesn't look that perfect every morning. As wonderful as it looks today, it took effort to make that hair look that way. You know, Brother Hagin says, your mind doesn't stay any more renewed than your hair stays combed. You know, we live in a world where there is a constant daily onslaught for our thoughts, constant daily contention for what we believe, because I'm telling you, what you think is what you believe. Where your mind goes, your beliefs go as well. Where your mind goes, your words go as well. Where your mind goes, your actions go as well. Where your words go, your future or your thoughts, what did I say? Your thoughts. Where your thoughts go, that's what I meant to say all of those. Where your thoughts go, your life goes. And there is a constant battle for our thoughts. There's a constant battle, you can say it this way, for the, the affections of our mind. You know, that's what thoughts are. They're affections of your mind. They're the things that your mind loves and holds dear. How many know that your mind belongs to you? How many know that you can set it where you want it to go? The Bible says to set your minds on those things which are above. And it says here to not, let, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How by the renewing of your mind? That tells us that controlling what we think is everything. So we know that our hair, our mind doesn't stay renewed any more than our hair stays combed. A friend of mine says this. He said, listen, your, your, your uh, mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your breath stays fresh. Right? You may get up. You know, everybody's happy this morning who got up. He said, he said yeah, everybody's happy this morning if you got up and people around you are happy that you brushed your teeth this morning. Some of them are even happier if you flossed or rinsed, right? How many know after you eat lunch, you're going to need to do that again? Right? Because you're putting things in. If you, if you only do it once a week, you're going to have all kinds of stuff stuck in your teeth, right? It's not going to be real good. If Drew wakes up in the morning, Kelsey will be in the other room. I mean, you know, woo, brush your teeth, brother. No, your mind doesn't stay any more renewed than even your breath stays fresh. It's a constant. But see, we, we're very diligent to those things. Aren't we really diligent, by and large, to those things? We may cheat every now and then, but we're pretty much like my son. We'll cheat every now and then. How much more diligent should we be about our thoughts and the things that we have if it controls the very direction that our lives go in? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I mean, whatever, whatever, wherever you let your mind go is exactly where you'll go. What you, the affections of your mind to what's valuable is where your attention and effort goes. 
We're not to be fans, we're to be followers. Now we'll put those things together. If we're followers of him and our minds are, belong to us and we're to set our mind on those things which are above and to renew our minds to, 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 to his word. How many of you believe that his word should take precedence in our life? It should take precedence in our life. His opinion as followers and not fans, his opinions of things should be number one in our lives. And I'll just say, you know, like, like I keep going back to I'm not perfect. Please don't think for a minute, you know, well, if you're not perfect, why are you out speaking? Well, because it's the truth. See, a lot of times we even judge who we want to listen to, whether it's somebody else or even ourselves, based on how well they have it all figured out and worked out. No, the truth is the truth. Right? The truth is the truth. Regardless, the truth is the truth. God's perspective is not always our perspective. Let me read this scripture to you. We're we're running short on time. It says in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not, this is Isaiah 55, verse eight and nine, if you're taking notes, which is flattering. Uh, It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways or your ways my ways, says the Lord. Notice for as, now you think, okay, they're not not the same, but, but they're close, you ever thought that? You know, not exactly there, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the general direction. I mean, a human reasoning is not even in the general direction of God's reasoning. You think, well, it's not that big of a deal if, I, if, I, if I'm thinking his thoughts or my thoughts. I mean, they're pretty close. They might, you know, your thoughts can be close to his in one area, but a million miles away in another. And where that lies is, will determine whether you experience his grace, his reality in those areas, or be a million miles from it. He says, for my thoughts are not, said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as high as, for as the heavens are higher than the earth. How many know the heavens are higher than the earth? The heavens here are speaking of everything that's above us. I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were, we were just talking about the vastness of space. You know, when you, when you look out into the night sky, we see these different stars that are out there. I love looking, going out. Anybody love going outside? Uh, our neighborhood, I love it because they don't have street lights. There's no street lights there, and every now and then they'll... Hey, can we put street lights up? And I'm, no, 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 no street lights. Because why? I want to enjoy the, the, the beautiful night sky. The winter's here. The bugs are gone. I'm so looking forward to getting out. I bought a hammock. Oh, praise you, Jesus. You know, stringing it up between the palm trees. And when it's, you know, 20 degrees outside and nice and cold, I love that kind of stuff. Looking at the stars, I love it. You know, there are stars you look at. You realize that most of those are not individual stars you're looking at. They've zoomed in on those. Those are actually galaxies that you're seeing. All of those dots are in the other galaxies you're looking at. And then they've zoomed in on those. The Hubble and different ones have zoomed in on those. And there's little, on those pictures, then there's little dots in the background on those pictures. And they zoom in on those dots. Guess what those are? Galaxies. I, I think the heavens extend a pretty far way. Wouldn't you agree? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so, God says, so are my ways, my thoughts above your thoughts. So our human reasoning and the reasoning of this world, which the Bible says is coming to naught, coming to mean nothing, right? Think about that. It, it's, it's only here. It's only the thought because it's right now. It doesn't last forever. It's just a temporary thought. But as high as those things are, or as di- the difference between those are the difference between the heavens and the earth. So we're not going to think his thoughts just by happenstance. It just doesn't happen. Because we just, we suddenly meet Jesus and suddenly all of our thoughts change. Now your thought may change. The thought of, the thought of the belief that he is the son of God is a very high thought. But you can think high in one area and think well below the mark in another area. Wouldn't you agree? How many can admit that we all have areas where we, our thoughts probably aren't where they should be? And if you can't, if you can't honestly say, well, I don't know, Pastor Greg, you need to actually read your Bible. Because when you get it out and you get to know the one who wrote it, there is so much you think, man, I have got a lot to learn. I believe we get to heaven, we'll have eternity of seeing new things we've not seen before. Stuff we've not understood before in a light that we've never seen before. His thoughts are so important. His thoughts are so uh, vital. Proverbs chapter 14 says, there is a way that seems right. This is Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to a man. You ever gone somewhere and you thought you were you thought it seemed as though you were going the right way? 
and you ended up somewhere you did not intend to be. Right? Go on a trip. Don't want to use your GPS because you know where it's at. Can all the guys say, ooh, ooh, ooh. Right, that's us. That's, that's a manly thing, right? Well, we got that. No directions. I can see it by the sun. I know where I'm going. Any women in here get upset at their husbands? I'll just turn Just ask for help. Just ask for help, honey. I don't know where I'm going. You end up, you know, and you're, touch, and you're with Jackie and Tajizik stand or whatever that is, you know, before you even know it. There's a way that seems right to man, but in its end is the way of death. You know, sometimes we, we read these scriptures and we think, okay, the way of death. It, death just can simply mean loss of anything, a loss in an area that God has promised you something better. Experiencing less than his best is a death of his best in your life. Experiencing less than what he's provided for you. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it's death. Our perspective is limited by our position at the moment. God's perspective is not limited. He sees everything from every angle. He even sees the beginning and the end at the same time. God is actually really, 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 really cool. He knows and sees the beginning from the end. You realize he was with you in the beginning, or he is still with you in the beginning. He's with you in the end and all the way through it. His perspective is not just a here today, gone tomorrow perspective. It's one that has no limitations, no boundaries. It knows every detail. I tell you, we, and we have, we have, no, we don't know everything. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen after this. We have no idea. But we have such a benefit and such a gift. It's his word. We have such a benefit and such an advantage in life. We have his word and we have his spirit. If you know Christ, if you've accepted Jesus, you have his spirit dwelling on the inside of you. And then you can get baptized with the Holy Ghost and have his spirit come upon you. The helper, the guide, just to be fully, make him fully his, it's himself and at home in your life. But like I said, he'll only go where he's invited. He's, he'll only speak where those are open to hear what he has to say. Amen? We must maintain a proper perspective. You know, let's take responsibility for our thoughts. Let's take responsibility for our thoughts. Instead of just thinking on whatever comes our way, let's control what we think on. Instead of just believing what whatever uh, culture tells us, let's take responsibility. Is culture right or is God's word right? How about this? Is our own past experience right or is God right? I can tell you for me, that's one of the biggest areas I have to work on. Just because that's the way I've always known it and experienced it doesn't mean it's the truth. It may be truly what I've known and experienced, but it is and does not determine God's will. Wrong book. Does not determine God's will or God's word. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't determine what's right and what's not. It has nothing to do with it. It's just my perspective on something. That's all it is. It's my perspective, which will change how many can admit your perspective on a lot of things has changed as you've gotten older? Think I would never do. And then now you're like, oh, what was I thinking before? Of course I would do that. Right? Perspective is such an important thing. We have to control what we're thinking about. I'm going to read this to you and, and, and touch on a few, few last things. Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. I tell you what, we have a challenge in front of us is to think right in a wrong world. We have to think right in a wrong world. We have to think appropriately in a world that, and let me just say this, people, listen, we need to be careful how we judge people. I don't know if any of you get any, any you know, Keith Moore had sent out a, a, tier, a teaching series recently, and I'm part of the way through it. Boy, it hurt. The first one I put in just was like, ouch, painful, Brother Moore. That was that ouch. He was talking about judging, judging people and, and judging situations. Even in the midst of what I'm talking about, not conforming to the world's opinions of things and, and, and conforming our lives and thinking his way, but not his thoughts and not the world's thoughts. You know, it's easy to develop an attitude, well, they're just this. Right? Are, are you listening to me? 
we were all once deceived and in darkness. Let's not, let us not forget lest we stumble back into those things. Right? Well, they're just this, they're just that. People have this crazy idea, people have that crazy idea. Now, that doesn't mean that their idea may or may not be right, may or may not be wrong. But it does, it should help us control and monitor our attitude and approach towards people. People who are in the dark, they don't see clearly. Why? They're in the dark. Right? People who are, who are outside of a covenant with God, yeah, their life's a mess. Why? Because they're outside of a covenant with God. We, it, we don't, let's not make it personal. Let's not take it personally. The truth is, somebody can believe whatever they want to believe. It doesn't affect who I am. But it will affect who I am if I judge them over it. Yeah, ouch. That's the truth. If I judge someone over something, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, you understand there's a difference between standing for what is right. Right? There's a difference between standing for what is right and judging the individual. The Bible says if we don't judge, we won't be judged. Oh, food for thought. You know, we, we, we have to control the way we think. Now, pastor last week, we're at 1150. Pastor last week talked about the election. And I know at the very word of me saying that, people are like, oh, dear Jesus. Can I just tell you this? Before service last week, I was in the, went back in the back to take pastor's mic, you know, his belt pack and everything. And he said, pray, pray for me that this goes over. Pray, pray for grace there. Can I tell you, no, no minister likes to talk about things that are touchy to people. But you know, the truth is the truth. And I'll say this, no minister has a corner on the truth. We're all learning and we're all growing. And if you want the people that, that lead you, that God has anointed and called to lead, if you want them to be open to correction or, or further insight on things, I mean, it only makes sense that you're open you can't expect something out of somebody else that you're not willing to do yourself. I hope that you pray for me that I see things clearly. I, 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 for me personally, I pray that you will, that I, I hope that people are praying for me that the Lord will continue to open the eyes of my understanding. That I can see things even more clearly than I did before. And if there's something I'm not seeing right, that I see it right. Because I want to see those things. But you know, whether, you know, whether or not your prayer for me has any effect is really what are you doing in your own life. Are you open, right? Are you open to these things? You know, pastor talking about the election last week, and, and uh, you know, I know every time this, the subject comes up, which and I'll just say this, if this is your first time or second time, I said earlier it takes more than one visit to know everything about a church. It really does. We don't discuss this stuff really hardly ever. It's about every four years, Right? The subject comes up. But I've heard, had people say, we shouldn't talk about that stuff in church. We shouldn't talk about that stuff in church. We shouldn't discuss those things in church. We should, we should be able, as mature believers, discuss those things and not take them personally. Not to hold our own opinions so dear to ourselves that if, listen, no matter what the subject is, ain't nothing so dear to you that you should be not open to what the word said. I'm not saying opinion, an opinion of a person is their opinion. But let's not, let's not be confused on what's opinion and what's written in black and white. And oftentimes red. Right? If we want to make good decisions in these things, we have to be open to God's word in these things. But if we allow ourselves in any area, Lord, if, if the Lord begins to, people say, well, y'all talk about money all the time. People have said that. We talk about money when we take up the offering. You know, a good minister will actually talk about giving to his congregation. The Lord Jesus himself got after Brother Hagin and told him to go back to a church he had left years before because he didn't teach them on tithe, tithe, tithes and offerings. He didn't do it because he didn't want to offend them. He did it with a good heart. He didn't want to make them uncomfortable. He didn't want them to think he was after their money. And the Lord said, you have robbed from them. Go back and make it right. What? A good minister will bring that up. Now, I'll be honest with you, it gets on my nerves. 
go somewhere and the offering message is longer than the message. Can I get a witness in the house? Right? Now, let me say this. It's annoying when it's just done to be done. Now, if God's behind it, let's go for it. So we have to be open to these things. But I can also tell you this. I've learned it's also best not to judge. Even in that situation, you know what? Leave it to God. If I will give that over to him, he'll even direct me what to do in that situation. Well, another side thought there. So you're talking about money. No, we don't. We're talking about when we give up the offering. It makes sense to give people something to use their faith on and to, to encourage them to do the right thing and to believe God. That only makes sense. That's a, being a good minister. People have said, I, I, and I, heard this, I, heard this, I even heard this last week. I'll be honest with you. What about the separation of church and state? Find me scripture for the separation of church and state. Anybody have any scriptures for the separation of church and state? There ain't no scriptures about the separation of church and state, of keeping keeping them separate. What's that? You have a scripture? Your hand went up. What's that? What's it say? (laughs) I love her. I love her. Thomas Jefferson wrote... I coined that phrase years ago. If you go back and look at it, he was actually really talking about the government staying out of the church's business. He was really not talking about the church staying out of government's business. That's really what he was talking about. You see, it's so easy for these things to infiltrate even our opinions of things. What about the separation of church and state? Listen, we, 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 God sees, he has no, there's nothing that says to stay out of it. Now, it does say people have the freedom to choose whom they will serve. You choose this day whom you will serve. But that, but that doesn't mean you don't talk about it. It doesn't mean you don't address it. Well, it might make somebody uncomfortable. Hell's pretty uncomfortable. You can choose to believe whatever you want to believe. And listen, I'm not going to fault you for it. I'm not going to judge you for it. But the fact is you can believe what you want. And at the end of the day, at the end of life, you'll then reap the reward of believing what you want. You know, it, 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 it baffles me sometimes. But I've got to be honest, I've been there myself before. We can get so worked up over stuff. Well, that's not loving people. What's loving somebody? Saying nothing because you don't want to make them uncomfortable for the moment, but possibly setting them up for a lifetime of discomfort. It is love to, to talk about these things. It's love to talk about this stuff. In the Bible, you know, when this life is over, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. You do realize that, right? He's going to set us up as judges on this earth. If you realize that or not, we're, we're going to be making decisions about things. Do you think it's kind of important that we think in line with the one who's going to put us in those positions. If we can't think right now, if we're unwilling to touch certain things now, are we, how are we going to do our jobs then? The fact is, if we're unwilling to do that, we won't have a job then. <laughs> That's the truth, right? Our job won't be what it should be. Everyone will receive the reward for what they do in this life. That includes how you think. Amen. You know, it's something, and, you know, Pastor, you can listen to last week's message and, and, and listen to these things, but, you know, there's so many opinions of the world that are out there. In fact, we've got, they're on the, if you saw them out there, you know, and uh, voter guides or just information, you can read what you want, you can not read what you want. You can vote what you want, you can vote the way, you can not vote the way. I, it, what, it's entirely between you and God. But we should be able to discuss these things, shouldn't we? It's important that we think right. Listen, I'll, I'll, be the, I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not a fan of the Democrat Party. I'm not a fan of the Republican Party. I'm not a fan of conservatives. I'm not a fan of liberals. I'm not a fan of Clinton. I'm not really a fan of Trump. But I am endeavoring to follow God's word as best I can. You know, we have to take these things seriously and look at these things. There's all these different subjects uh, on this voter guide, some of which we have precedent in the Bible, scripture for some, we have no, nothing. The Bible says nothing about it. I have my opinions. You have yours. 
But in areas where the Bible speaks of things as followers and not fans of Christ, we should be open to what he has to say. And I know that may challenge some people. And like I said, you might think, well, we're just hammering on this stuff. Listen, this is a big decision, but every election is, is a big decision. Right? And if we're not open to these things, that doesn't mean you have to change what you think. Just be open to it. Let God deal with you. Let God talk to you. Search the scriptures out. What does it say? Remember Jesus said, he said, uh, my sheep, what did he say? He said, they, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They follow me. You can hear his voice in these subjects and then you can make the decision to follow him. Take this, look at it. Pray about it. Search the scriptures out. There are some things that are very evident. The Bible is very clear about. But culture may be against We can't be conformed to the thinking of this world. We have to be renewed to the thinking of Christ, the thinking of the word. You guys realize that's not my opinion or pastor's opinion. That's God's opinion. And when God has an opinion, that is a fact, right? People say, well, you're narrow-minded. I'll say this, wide is the path to destruction, but narrow is the way to salvation, right? Right? Let's not be afraid of people calling us narrow-minded. You need to be narrow-minded in some areas, but broad in others. If God's word says this, be narrow-minded, single-minded. We must be that way. He said we have to be that way. If the word says something, accept it. Move on. Don't debate it. Don't apologize for it. But the same point, don't hammer people with them. There's a difference. Right? You know, all these different topics, you know, and, and we're running out of time. You know, one of the hot topics is, is abortion. And I've been talking to, I don't get on Facebook ever. I don't, I don't get on Facebook. It's not something I do. If you like Facebook, love it away. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. For me, it's just a huge distraction and a way for people to fight. You know, so I, I, I stay away from it. But I actually got on this week to check something. And a friend of mine from South Florida was on there. And he, he, he put up a, he put up a, a made a commentary about one of the parties on the subject of abortion, about how you know, they pander to believers. They pander to Christians. And, you know, that's absolutely the truth, right? He said that we put these people in office and nothing ever changes. Nothing ever is done. They say they're going to do something. Pastor read this, the, the, the statistic last week, you know, that 58 million Children have been aborted since 1973. 93% of that, which is 54 million, has been because of just social things. It wasn't convenient. The Bible's very clear. You know, if you don't think the Bible's clear about that, just ask, I believe it was the Ammonites who sacrificed their own children. You say, well, that was because they were doing it as a sacrifice to an idol. Sacrificing a child because it's not convenient is sacrificing it to the idol of your own life. Now, we said last week, he said, listen, if that's ever happened, if you've done that, don't be condemned about it. He even said, I did it. People say, well, that's not, that's not love, Pastor Greg. That's not love. It might make somebody uncomfortable. It is love to tell you God has forgiven you. Just accept it. He's forgiven you. And he has chosen to even forget about it. If you'll access that forgiveness, he, as far as the east is from the west, so is that thought about you and that thing. He doesn't even remember it anymore. How do you know that we should also not remember it about ourselves or somebody else? It is love. It is love to tell you the truth. Several years ago, do you, got, do you mind if I take just a minute? Several years ago, if not, I'm still going to do it. Pastor is usually here, so we're here till like 1.30, so you're going to get out early. <laughs> Several years ago, I had a young man that uh, he, he came from a very troubled, very troubled background. His mom was a, uh, a very heavy crack addict. She was addicted to crack cocaine, and the dad was, was nowhere to be found. I don't even know if he even knew who his dad was. Came from a horrible situation. He had a couple older siblings in jail. Just a terrible, terrible, terrible situation. So we got to meet this kid, and he got born again, and, and we were reaching out to him. Now, at the time, it was, I, had, I had the Nissan, you know. I had gotten this new sound system in my car. I got this new sound system for Christmas, and I was all excited because I love music, and I like, you know, I like that having a nice heavy bass, you know, I love my hip hop or whatever. So, uh, I, I like listening to that stuff. And so I was, I, I was jamming this thing out. I'd go to his house and pick him up, take him to church, take him to youth group, take him home. Well, 
after he saw what I had, one night I had my car parked outside of another house we were working on to sell, and he knew where I was. He came that night and broke into my car and stole my brand new stereo system out of my car. And I was appreciative because I had tools in the back, and he used those tools to take it out. So it didn't damage anything. So I was at least thankful for that. But he took it out, you know, took my stuff. It was a joke. He did, he did use my tools to take it out. I wasn't appreciative. But, you know, the police came. They looked at it, and they said, oh, we think we know who this is. They went, they went and picked him up, you know, the next day. And he had already sold the stuff, and it was gone, you know. And can I tell you, it just stung. It just, ugh. It just hurt. Have you ever been there before, somebody you open your life up to and things just don't go well, you know? And it stung. It hurt my heart. And I, and I, was, I, was, I was, first I was like, bless God, we're not bringing anybody else to church. That ain't never going to happen again, brother. I take you to church and you steal from me. Forget it. Ever been there before? How I many know that's not God's heart? And so, you know, I, I, you know, we forgave the kid. Now, you know, I didn't make him pay it back. You know, we, I never did replace it. I took one of Steve's old ones and put it in my car. So, uh, but I gave that back to you. I didn't steal it, I asked for it. But anyway, but I gave that back to him. But this kid had stolen it from me. Yeah, listen, it, it had to be addressed. Listen, there's no way to get ahead in life. I didn't know he did it. I called the police. I didn't know he did it. So he actually had some things to answer for when they got him because he admitted to it and that and several other things that had happened. You know, it had to be addressed. But I can tell you this, I didn't look down on him after the fact. But I also didn't go park my car with a brand new stereo system in front of his house with the doors open. So we have to be honest about stuff with people. Listen, what you've done in the past is in the past. Ask God to forgive you. He'll forgive you and cleanse you. Don't feel condemned about it. Pastor even said, listen, I had made, I had, they tried to abort my brother. He did. Tried to talk my mom into doing that and then paid for three others before he got right with Christ, got his life right. I think he understood, right? But say, listen, God loves you. That is love. Listen, people, people are shamed for all kinds of stuff. To avoid it because they might feel bad, they already feel bad about things. Ask for forgiveness. It's been provided. God loves you. That is loving them. But also saying, listen, don't repeat it or not setting things up for them to repeat it is love. If you have someone in your family that's got a problem with drugs, you don't buy them a gift certificate at Christmas to meth our us. Right? I love you. I forgive you. But here's, a, here, here, here's go buy some stuff. No, you don't do that. You don't make it convenient. It's still love. It's love that I, when my kids were little, I made sure there was that, those crazy gates in my house to keep them away from the knife drawer. It was love for them because I love them. Let, see, the thinking of this world can twist everything. It can twist everything. Now, maybe tonight we'll talk a little bit more about some other aspects of this, not this specifically. But, you know, in the house of God, we should be able to talk about this stuff. We should be able to talk about this stuff. So we should be able to talk about this stuff without being offended at one another. Does the work, we've had people leave our church elections, previous elections over stuff like this. Well, I didn't agree with the pastor. I think he was wrong. Maybe he was. Extend some grace. You want any grace extended towards you? You better extend some yourself. Right? But if you see it in the word, don't take it as a, don't take it as man's opinion if you can see it in God's word, right? I'm not endorsing a candidate. You got you to follow your heart. I will say this whole separation of church and state, at what point did the church sell its own soul for a tax deduction, right? Sell our ability to say what needs to be said. We need to rethink some of these things. Let me just say this, and we got to go. This election, just to sum it up, Find out what God says on something. Let's not have pet topics, things that may be dear to us. Listen, if God has something that he says it's more important than whatever topic is important to me, what's important to him, what he said is more important. We have to have that. If we're going to be followers, we should maintain that attitude, right? But let me say this, no matter who wins this election, your guy, their guy, your party, their party, no matter who wins this election, this is like I said, the friend of mine was saying, you know, we've voted for this particular group and they've never done anything about it. That's our fault they've never done anything about it. 
It's our fault. The church has to continue to pray. I, I don't believe in, in become. I'm not a, a, a super politically active guy. I'm just not. And I don't think the church should become a political group. We should have a voice in every aspect of work, of life, which includes this, right? But, but we should have a, we should have, we should be pursuing Jesus. You realize if somebody's in office, the next person gets in office can change that policy. You realize that, right? Policies we have now, some have been changed back and forth multiple times. Politics are not our answer. We need to vote according to God's word. We need to check our hearts, ask the Holy Spirit. He will only talk to you what you're open to hear from. Ask him what he'd have you to do. But when that happens, don't stop there. Seek God on these things. Praise God. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, My people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Humble themselves. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So I just don't, you know, who, no matter who wins this, let's pray. Listen, ain't nothing too big for God. Proverbs 21, 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Let's not say, if this happens or that happens, it's doom and gloom. Let's trust God. Are you listening to me? Let's vote our conscience. Let's not vote what other people think our conscience should be. I was talking to somebody last night during the game said, listen, yeah, I feel like if I vote this certain way, then people will, it'll ruin my testimony. Don't let somebody else determine what your testimony is. People who are in the dark can't tell you what you're looking at if they're in the dark. Right? What does the word say? That's all that matters. But regardless of what happens, we have to continue to seek God. I've heard spirit-filled believers, well, if such as this happens, we're just, we are, we are doomed. Don't speak words of unbelief. Don't give the enemy something to work with. All things are possible. Listen, he can turn like the, like the rivers of water. He turns the heart of the king however he wishes. I'm a big World War II buff. Hitler made some of the craziest decisions at the very worst times. Britain was about to yield and bow their knee to the bombing that was going on that, that the Nazi Germany was doing. And at the last second, he decided to attack somebody else and quit bombing. All of his, his counselors were like, what are you doing? We're about to win this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Cost him the war. It gave us time to get into the war. It gave, it gave an opportunity for things to change. Made the worst decision at the worst time. Made no sense. Do you think God can't do things in our nation? Do you think God can't do something and, and fix things? You know, I, I'm, 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 I have a heart for what happens in nine days. I have a greater heart what's going to happen on the 10th day. What's going to happen in the 11th, 12th? What's going to happen three months from now whenever life goes back seemingly? Maybe there's some more inconveniences, inconveniences there. Ah, you know, what are we going to stand for? I don't mean pick it. Are we going to stand for God's word? Are we going to go to God about these things? Are we going to lift our, people, our, our leaders up in prayer? Are we going to lift up our nation in prayer? Are we going to speak blessing over them? Well, I don't like, it doesn't matter if you like them or not. All authority is given by God. We have to honor that, respect that, pray for them. Are you listening? It, it's such an important thing. It's such an important thing. It's such an important thing. We have to go after the will of God. We have to contend for the will of God. I don't care who gets in office. That's not going to fix what the world needs. The world needs Jesus. I said the world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Until you change the heart, you never change the nation. Just like until your heart was changed, your life was not changed. Well, I can't make decisions for people. No, you can't, but you can make tremendous power available, which is dynamic and it's working. I tell you, pastor wanted me to promote prayer. 
on Monday nights. I'm promoting prayer. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a downer. It's a, it's a, it's an upper. Are those drug references? I didn't mean it to be. Kendra would know. <laughs> prayer is an awesome thing. Let's not get all worked up every four years and then be too lazy to pray the rest of the time. Right? And I'm not saying we spend all of our time praying about the government, praying about the leaders. Follow your heart. We've got the Holy Ghost, the guide on the inside. If it needs to be discussed, he will, let, he will bring it to your attention. Paul said, I, don't, I cease not to make mention of you in my prayers. Sometimes it's all, all that's required at the moment is a mention of something. Follow the Holy Ghost in prayer. But you got to show up. You can pray on your own, pray on your own. But it's time we get together. We pray about the vision of the church, the move of God in, a, in, in our nation. Yes, right now we've been praying about the election, that people will see what they need to see. Right? I don't understand. There's all kinds of crazy questions I have about what's going on. The Holy Ghost knows what the right choice is. He knows what the right way is. He knows what needs to be seen, what needs to not be seen. Right? Let, let's get in there and let's, 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 let's be who God's called us to be. It starts with thinking right. It starts with thinking right. And then we have to respond right. You know, I know pastor loves you. I love you. I love this country. You know, we just went to Africa and, and man, I'm so grateful to be an American. I am grateful. But you know, I'm more than anything else, I'm grateful to be a son of God, you know? Because I tell you what, you can look, when I was in Malawi, South Africa, or in Alachua County, the people who know their God, who have a heart for God, I tell you what, the result, the fruit in their life is amazing if they will follow and obey. If they'll yield themselves and respond to what he's asking them to do, it's an amazing thing. God's got so much for us. Listen, there's so much hate going on right now and division going on right now, even in the body of Christ. Let's do our part to avoid it. Let's do our part to, and how do we do that? By doing it within yourself, not letting those things get a hold of you, not let fear, intimidation, all of those things get a hold of you. Simply obey the word, simply obey the leading of the spirit. People say, well, what good does it do to teach this at a, Small church and high springs, Alaska, Florida. Listen, if every believer will begin to do that. And you know, a few, are, a few can, I mean, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. And if we'll all do that, we can have, we can have, even as a church, a local church, we can have worldwide effect by our prayers and our seeking God. Amen. God's good. I love you. God loves you. He loves. He loves us. He loves people. And I will say this. I'm going to make a bold declaration. We as the body of Christ will get the job done. I said we as the body of Christ, we will get the job done. As the body of Christ, we will get the job done. Now, whether or not we as individuals be included in the ones who get it done is entirely up to us. But the body of Christ will get the job done. Praise God. God's hand, God's grace is upon us. Amen, amen, amen. Everybody stand up. 1218. Woo. It's about like normal, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. Y'all still love me? I still love you. Even Miss Edna. I still love Miss Edna. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't have no choice. You got that right, sister. Praise God. Father, we love you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We're so grateful for your goodness. We're so grateful, hallelujah, for your grace and your mercy. Father, if it was not for your grace, if it was not for your mercy, if it was not for your hand upon our lives, Father, we would be nothing. Father, we're thankful for all that you've done for us. We're thankful for sending Jesus thankful for sending the Holy Spirit to abide with us, your spirit to abide with us.
I'm so grateful Jesus said, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Father, we, that's not just a sad tagline, but that is a note of victory. You'll be with us even to the very end of this age. Father, I thank you that the church, your sons and your daughters, Father, you have called to live victoriously. To achieve and accomplish the things that you've called us to do to take our place. In your kingdom to take our place and your plan to take take our place and what your your will and desire is for this earth, Father, we will take our place. Father, we thank you for your hand upon us. Father, I thank you for every person here this morning. Myself included, if there's things we need to see that we haven't seen, Father, help us to see it. Like Paul, I make mention real briefly of for even all of us, even myself, Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. Help us to see what we need to see, a spirit of truth. We can see clearly, Father. I thank you for that. Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, we honor you. Help us to be people who stand for righteousness, but exude love and are faithful to your call. Father, we thank you for it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.